Good morning, Harvest Muskoka. Good morning, Harvest Prairie Sound. Uh, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning, starting in verse 13 of Romans chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you, if you forgot a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, just throw your hand up. We'd love to get a Bible into your hands. And if you don't own a Bible, then for sure throw your hand up and grab one of these as our gift to you and turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, we'll be starting in verse 13 this morning. As, as, you're, as you're turning there, maybe it isn't hard for you to think of this in your mind, but if you can think of a time where, where you've been working so hard at a task, it was a, a big job to get accomplished, and while you're working at this task, there are others who are just watching, and they're just hanging out, and they're on their cell phone, and they're goofing around, and they're, right, and, you, and you're working hard at this, this job you're at, and maybe, maybe, like, don't look to the person beside you if you work with them and give them the, like, that's you, man, right? But, did, like, that, you experienced that before, right, where you're, you've got a job that's too big for the few people who are doing it while others are just hanging out and watching it happen, and it gets frustrating, and yet, when we look in Scripture, we hear Jesus talk even about the mission that we've been called to as the church and he says, hey, the job is huge to reach our communities, to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ, to, to, to love those who are hurting and broken and lost, to care for them. The job is huge. And there aren't enough people working on it. I mean, the job's big because the, the job is this. Jesus' job description for us is go and change the world. I mean, that, that's, that's what he gave us to do. And, and so we ask, how, how are we, how is Harvest Muskoka, how is Harvest Perry Sound, how are we going to change our communities? How are we going to, to give hope to the hopeless? How are we going to come alongside to defend the widow and the orphan? Who, who's going to bring life to the, those who are, who are dying? Who, who's going to be those who are changing our communities, who are, who are at work changing the nations? And we know that the, the ultimate answer is Jesus. Jesus is the one who does the changing. We don't change hearts. It's Christ who does that. But the mission is given to us as the church. We're Jesus' plan. We're told if you're a follower of Christ that you've been filled with the Spirit, so you're equipped, you've been given the task to do so that you can go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around you. And so far, we've been tackling in this series, we've been talking about what does it mean to be bold with the gospel, not bold in that, that I'm going to be rude, that I'm going to shout at people, that I'm, I'm not, not that kind of yelling sort of bold, but it's this faith-filled, all-in, no fear, I'm going to go and move in the power of the Spirit because I understand the good news that changed me, and now I'm sent out on mission with that same news for the world. And what do we talk about? We talk about first the, the gospel impacts our hearts and it, it changes us to, to the place where we get where we're submitting everything to Christ. We, we give him our fears, we give him our hurts, we give him our desires, we give him our doubts and questions, our relationships, all of these come under the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ loves us and changed us. The, the, the gospel boldness where you come under and you say, you know what, I trust that God is a good father, that God is a loving father, that God is a wise father. And, and from there, with hearts filled with gospel boldness, our families then are impacted. We talked about moves from our hearts to our homes. And if, if the gospel hasn't impacted your home, your marriage, your parenting, we need to press in into that. 
In the new year, we're gonna be jumping into, into how does the gospel impact relations. We're gonna talk a lot about this in the new year, about our marriages, about husbands and wives, about relationships with people, about parenting, all that stuff. But for, for now, has Jesus changed the way you relate to your spouse? I mean, husbands, are you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Are, are you sacrificing? Are, are you loving her in a way where you direct your heart away from you and your needs towards her? This, this all-in looking out for her needs above your own. Is that where you find yourself? Wives, are you loving and caring and living out the gospel towards your husband? Because here's the thing. The gospel isn't just this religious church idea. It's supposed to impact everything about our lives. Parents, are, are, are you parenting uh, just behavior modification? Just, hey, let me make sure my kids look good on the outside so when guests come over, they look really nice. Or are you using the gospel? Are you going after the hearts of your kids? It's scary to do it, but are, are you going deep and applying the gospel, pointing their hearts to Christ? And then from there, we went home, to, from heart to home to, to our neighborhood. That we're, we're all missionaries within our circle of influence. All of us have been called to go. So it, it goes heart to home to neighborhood. Now this morning to nations. Romans 10, it says here in verse 13, if you get your Bibles open, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him who they have not believed? And how... Are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This morning, if we're gonna be bold to the nations, it's, it's gonna be, begin with the good news. So it's almost like we're going all the way back to the start of the series. So if you're taking notes, the, the first thing that we, we gotta grab a hold of this morning is I need to know the good news. I need to know the good news. It says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the good news. Now, now what's that look like? Why don't you flip back, if you're in Romans here, flip back to Romans chapter three. Let, let's see the good news fleshed out a little more. Romans chapter three, verse 23. Romans three, verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified or made right by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So you see, you see here, this is the good news explained. What, what do we see here? First it says all have sinned. No one comes in here clean this morning. No, nobody can come in here and say, hey, hey, you know what? I've got it going on. I think I reached the glory of God. Like, I've got the perfection thing covered. We, we just have to go through and start interviewing people one at a time, right? And we find out that none of us comes in here clean this morning. We all come in here broken. But what do we see? All have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But then we see this gift, there's a gift, that, that, that we have this gift in Christ. Now, if it's a gift, it means we, we don't earn it. It's a gift. It doesn't mean, hey, here's your reward because you've been such a good person. And God goes, because of that, here's your gift. No, it's a gift that we don't earn. In fact, just this week, I got to visit a guy. He, he's at home, but he's in the last stages of cancer. He, he's, he is dying very quickly, but he has lived, um, by all standards, a very rough life. Um, he's abused alcohol, has abused drugs, has abused people. 
And yet just a few weeks ago, as, as someone explained this gospel to him, this good news, hey, all have sinned, but there's this gift in Christ through tears. He says, I don't get it. Are you for sure? You don't know what I've done. And he, he gives his life to Christ, now a new creation. So I'm visiting him now as a follower of Jesus. And here's the thing he can't get a hold of. He's like, I just don't get the gift. I can't get my mind wrapped around God's grace that it's all grace, it's undeserved, it's, it's unearned kindness. I mean, here's the thing, we shouldn't be thrown back, we shouldn't be amazed at God's judgment on sin, we should be amazed by his grace, by his kindness shown through Christ on his cross. I mean, all of us should be where this, this guy was, I was visiting we, 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 visiting, we should all be in this place of head shaking, I can't believe it, I don't understand it, I don't deserve it kind of mentality, why? Because all of us come in here not clean. It's all grace, it's all grace, it's all grace, it's, it's, a, it's a gift, but here's the thing with gifts, Gifts aren't really free. They're free for those who get them, but they're not free for those who give them. And this gift, although it's free for anyone who says, man, I want that. I want to follow Christ with my life. I want this new heart. It wasn't free for Jesus. It cost him everything. Where he stood in our place, lived the perfect life we couldn't live, then he gave his life for us, taking on our sin and our brokenness and took our penalty, and, and what's to say, we, we've now been redeemed. This is, we, we now have redemption through Christ, it says. The, the Jesus gift to us would say, I'll pay your penalty in your place. I, I've heard it this way, it's, if you can picture this, picture all of, of the rightful wrath of God against our sin as this massive reservoir, this, this huge reservoir behind a massive, huge dam, and behind this dam, this, this reservoir of God's wrath against sin, and we're standing before this dam with all the wrath of God behind it, all piled up against the dam, and the dam breaks. And all of that righteous, right, and just wrath of God rushing towards us because of our sin, because we don't, we, we, we've sinned against the holy God. It's rushing towards us. And then at the very last moment, this hole opens up in the ground and it takes all of that wrath into the hole before it hits us. That's the cross of Christ. That Jesus Christ stood in our place and took the entire wrath of God on himself. It says that he drank the, the cup of God's wrath. Like he drank the whole thing, turned it over and said, it's finished. I mean, that's the good news. Jesus stands in our place. Now flip back to Romans 10 again. Romans 10 verse 13 I mean, that's the good news. When we talk about the gospel, that's the gospel we're talking about, that we were broken and separated from God, but God in his grace brings us to himself. Now, no longer enemies of God, but children of God. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do you receive this gift? When, you, when that, the righteous wrath of God is coming down on you, the dam has broken, how do you receive that forgiveness? How do you stop the righteous wrath from hitting you? It says call on the name of Jesus. You receive it, you believe it, you embrace this truth. We humble ourselves. It's this idea where, where we, we, we call it repentance, or the Bible says we repent. It, repent is just, I'm going this way, but now I'm gonna go this way. So repentance is, I'm going along, doing my thing, and I'm living my own life, and I'm thinking it's going well, but it's not. And I realize, man, this isn't working. This doesn't work any longer. This just leads to more pain and more hurt. There's got to be a better way. I'm not gonna make it going the direction I'm going, and so what do we do? We repent. We call the name of the Lord. We turn and go, Jesus, it's you. 
just going to humble myself. I can't do this on my own. I'm trying and striving to find peace and life, and, and, and I can't, I, I'm turning to you now. That's what we do. We call on the name of the Lord. But how do people get there? How do you get to that place where you believe in this good news of the gospel? I mean, does it just happen? Look at verse 14. It says, how they call on him whom they have not believed. I mean, people aren't gonna call on someone they don't believe in. It's just how, how are they to believe in him who they haven't heard? You're not gonna believe in someone you've never heard anything about. And it says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? There's no hope for new life if, if someone doesn't tell that person about Jesus. They never hear. Because they never hear, they never believe. Because they never believe, they never receive this life, this new life. They're never saved. So the answer seems really simple. If that's true, if, if this is true, then what's our answer as a church? What are we called to do? We're called to go, all of us. With hearts changed by this good news, we go. We go into our families, we go into our neighborhoods, we go into the nations to go. Now here's the thing, not all of us is called to go to the same place. Some of you here, you're called just to your neighborhood, just to that person who God's brought into your life through your work, through your school, through where you live. And, and God's saying, listen, this is your mission right here. Love and care for these people. Love and care for the broken. Go to those dark places where no one's gonna go, but you show up because that's where Jesus would be, right? And that's your call. But some of you, listen, some of you in here this morning, you're called to not just go to your neighborhood, you're called to go to the nation's. And maybe God's placed on your heart this call. No, listen, I've got a mission for you, but it's not gonna be in Muskoka. I've got a mission for you that's gonna be into the world. Here's the thing. Whether you just need to cross the street or cross an ocean, there's no getting around the fact that every single one of us is called. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been called. So here's our second point this morning. Once we know the gospel, I need to go somewhere. I need to go somewhere. Verse 14 is pretty clear. If we're going to reach the world for Christ, we have to go. There, there, there's a need. There's a charge from Jesus. There's this clear command and a clear call for us to go. And, and for us to not step out is for us to say to Jesus, Jesus, listen, I know you've called me to go, but I don't want to. Not there. Not now. Listen, if you're called to go across the street, if you're called to cross the hall of your school, if you're called to speak to somebody into your workplace, man, that is scary. We need a heart filled with this gospel-driven boldness, this, this spirit-wrought boldness that only God can bring. But listen, if you're also then called to go global, your heart is gonna be need to be filled with this gospel boldness to make some very bold moves. Because it's more than just a quick, you know what, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that tomorrow. The obstacles to going global with the gospel are very high. The, 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 the barriers are, are many, and we need our hearts fully engaged. You're, you're going to be leaving your life here to go, if that's the call. You're going to be learning a new language, probably. You're for sure going to be learning a new culture, and, and maybe you're going to be going and never coming back. Maybe, maybe you're leaving it all behind. We need a heart that's filled with gospel hope. You, you're going to need a heart that's filled with love for the people that God's called you to, and only God can fill that heart with that love. So the big question that you might be asking this morning is, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Am I called? How do I know if I've been called to the nations? I would say this, I, I would say there are probably three, three, three crucial keys that are gonna be happening in your life if you've been called to the nations. Here's the first one. This will be happening in your heart. The, the need 
is going to be painfully obvious. You look into a, a people group and you see the need, and it just it burdens your heart so much, and it, it's so obvious that, that it, it just bothers you. When you're quiet and, and just calm, you can't stop thinking about it. When you're trying to busy yourself, you still can't stop thinking about these people. And, and like Jeremiah says, if I keep quiet, my bones are going to waste away. Like if, if I don't go, it's killing me. The need is so obvious to you. Here, here's another thing that's going to happen is that the, the thought of going is always there. So you see the need and that thought never leaves you. You can't get away from it. Nothing else satisfies. Every time you try to do something else, you're like, I've been called to go. I've got to go. And, and even if maybe you're here this morning, like that's me, but I've been running from it. But like Jonah, the further you run, the closer you keep coming back to that call. The need is so obvious, your heart is broken over it. The, the thought of going is constantly there. Here's a third way to know, am I called to go global? Your church is fully behind you. You've got godly people in your life. You have leadership in your life. And they're saying, listen, we're going to encourage you and support you all the way, just like the church in Antioch did for Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. They said, listen, we're behind you. We're sending you. So if you can say, you know what? All three of those are true in my life. Listen, listen. You may be called to go to the nations. Maybe this morning it's time to respond. Maybe this morning you stop pushing it away. Maybe this morning you respond to that call and say, okay, God, I'll go. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to give this to you, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you my fears. I'm going to give you my doubts, and I'm, I'm going to drop these nets like the disciples did and follow you, Jesus. And listen, you don't need to know the end. You don't need to know how it's going to You can't know. You don't know, but listen, God knows. We don't need to know every step. We just need to know what's this next step I'm supposed to take. And maybe for you, this step is this morning saying, man, I'm gonna talk to someone and say, listen, I think I've been called to go. And you say, here I am, Lord, send me. Maybe that isn't you, though. Maybe you know, no, no, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has called me to Muskoka, that, that I, this is my mission field. I know this is where he has called me, and, and, and if that's you, then, then maybe you're not the one who's going to go, because you know I haven't been called anywhere, I've been called here. Here's our, here's our third point this morning, I need to send someone. If you're not going to go, the call here is you need to send someone. Look what Paul says in verse 15. He says, how are they going to go unless somebody goes? Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they're sent? Listen, no one's going to hear the gospel unless somebody's there speaking the gospel to them. And Paul's going, and how is that person going to go unless they've been sent? Especially to the nations. How are they going to be trained up, raised up? How's the finances going to come in unless they've been sent, unless they've been supported and commissioned by someone? And this is our job as a church. If you, excuse me, if you call Harvest home, this is your job. If you call Harvest Home, this is what you're a part of. We give away a growing, each year, a growing percentage of our budget. We say, let's stretch it this year. How much more can we give away outside of these walls to give away to reach the nations with the gospel? It's why we get behind those from our church, a number of family members and friends from this very church now serving overseas. Why? Because they've been raised up and supported and sent out by you guys. 
There are numbers of international churches that have been planted and are now growing and reaching into their communities. Why? Because of the money that you give to support Harvest Bible Fellowship as we, as we see churches planted all over the world in Africa and Asia and Europe and Central and South America. We're just seeing God do a work and, and specifically, not just in the, the broader sense of the churches, but for you guys as a church over the last few years, how we were able to, to see the church in Ometepe in Nicaragua, we're able to plant and establish a church that's now up and running and God's saying, okay, I got the next thing for you. As we pray that through, God, what do you have for us as the next global partner? I mean, that's what it is to be part of a church that we're sending out. Love what goes on in verse 15. How are they to go unless they're sent? It says, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Those who are sent are a blessing, is what Paul's saying here. Those who are sent, they, they preach good news. It's like a surgeon coming into the waiting room, and you've been wondering, how is the surgery going for my loved one? And, and when you come and preach the gospel, you're like the surgeon comes in and says, everything's okay. And what a blessing that is. Those reaching the, the world with the gospel, they're coming with the good news of, of, hey, the sickness that leads to death, the sin that you have in your life, there is a cure for that. It's been taken care of by Jesus Christ. And listen, all the global impact in the world can't happen without people going. And the goers can't go unless they've been sent. So listen, the senders need the goers to reach the nations. And the goers need the senders to reach the nations. So let me say this. Thank you for being a faithful sending church. Listen, if you're here this morning and you, you, you call Harvest Home and you faithfully give of your resources, listen, you're sending people. If you're praying and encouraging those who are going, you're a sender. So let's continue to do this. Let's, let's grow in this harvest. Let's send more. Let's support more and see what God would do. I need to go somewhere. I need to send someone. Here's, here's our last point this morning. In order for all of this to happen, we need to see clearly. We need to see clearly. Again, what do I say? The, the task is big. But think about it for a minute. As, as a church, we, we average, between our two campuses, we average about 700 people. So, so, so think about this. Let, let's say here we are, 700 people who, who have been charged with this good news to go out with the gospel. Now, now 700, I, I recognize that, that all of us here, that some of you are like, hey man, I'm not in the mission. I'm just here checking out Jesus. Like, I, like, don't bring me into this. And I get that. I get that. And my hope is that you would hear the good news of the gospel and your heart would be changed as well, that you would recognize, man, there is life and I've been pursuing it everywhere else, but there is true life for me and I want to jump on to that. And when you do, listen, you're given the jersey right away. You're on the team. You're on mission, all right? So here we are. Just for ideas, like just picture 700 of us. And picture us in a room with a, a big whiteboard on the wall. We're, okay, let's brainstorm this thing. I mean, God, God's left us here for a reason. Listen, if you know Jesus and you're not in heaven yet, there's a reason for that because you're still at work. You're still on mission. If, if you're like, yeah, but I'm in my like 70s now. Listen, God will call you home if you didn't have work to do, right? So you still have a job to do. So here we are, all of us in this room together, from seniors down to, to students and kids, and here we are in this room going, okay, whiteboard it out. How are we gonna do this? 700 people, spirit of God in us, a, a world with a massive need, and we have the good news. 
And we've been told by Christ, it's your job to get it out there. Whiteboard's empty. What do we start with? We start to think about that right down to your personal life. What happens in your life? What does your life look like if that's the job we have? What does our church look like? Where do we spend our time? Where do we spend our resources? I mean, would it, would it be, hey, yeah, I get what it's gonna be. It's gonna be, let's set up something that's all for us. Let's make everything comfortable for us. Let's make everything entertaining for us. Let's make everything most pleasing to us. Let's make sure that everything we do fits with what I like and what I want in church. I mean, would, would that be the strategy we write on the board? Like, I don't think it would be, not, not if we recognize what's going on in the world, not if we see clearly to how great the need is and how few the workers are. I mean, wouldn't it change the way we do things? Wouldn't it change the way we relate to each other? Wouldn't it change the way we do church, the way we do small group, the way we do ministry, how, how we do these things? Listen, in the book of Acts, the, the history of the early church laid out in the book of Acts, Jesus leaves a handful of people with this call to go. He then says, hey, hey, before you go, don't do anything. Before you go, you gotta wait for the spirit to come and the spirit will fill you. In other words, Jesus says, you can't do this on your own. The task is too big. You need me with you. So he says, the spirit's gonna come and fill you so Jesus can do it through us, which is super encouraging. You've got this group in Acts, about 120 people. And they don't huddle up and hide out. They scatter with this good news. They scatter to the nation, so much so that in Acts 17, verse 6, people looking in on this group of 120 people that, that spread the news of the gospel, they said, these people have turned our world upside down. We need to see clearly. We need to see the need so clearly. We need to see the call so clearly. The only thing that God is going to use to get this job done is you, is us is the church. We're it. We're the mission. There is no plan B for the billions of people in our world who have never heard. It's you and me, and we have the same spirit in us as they did in the book of Acts. We have the same call on us to go. So what will it look like for us as Harvest Muskoka, as Harvest Perry Sound? Flip over to Matthew chapter 9. Just go backwards, back towards the beginning. You'll hit the Gospels. Matthew's the first one. Matthew chapter nine. Let me lay out this seeing clearly here. The end of Matthew chapter nine. Here's what I want to see as you're turning there. I think the biggest danger for us as a church is that we grow really comfortable in the light and forget that there are those living in the dark. I think the greatest problem for the church is that we see somebody stranded in the middle of the road, knocked over, on the ground, can't get up, traffic is barreling down on them, and we say, I hope it works out for them. Not really my call. I don't really want to get involved in that. I mean, none of us would do that. Do we, do we feel the same urgency for those who are lost without Christ? My prayer is this. May we never grow complacent as a church. Jesus is about to hear, we're going to read, he's about to send out his disciples. And it says this, look at verse 36. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Matthew says when Jesus looked out and saw the world, saw the group of people, his heart was filled with compassion. Why? Because he saw their condition. He saw that they were lost and broken and hurting. They're sheep without a shepherd. He says they're harassed and helpless. Have you ever been in a, in a, in a NICU where you, where you go to where, where babies are born that aren't thriving really well? Our firstborn was born premature, so we we're in a really, in the, 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 the place where all these premature babies are. When you go into that little area there, you see all these babies just clinging on for life. I mean, that, that's the picture here. Jesus looking at the crowds going, here are all these people like, like babies just clinging on for life. But even worse than that, picture that same scenario where you remove all the doctors, where you remove all the equipment. He goes, they're like that, but they don't have a shepherd. No doctors and nurses, just kids thrown out into the street. I mean, that's the picture that Jesus sees here, and it stirs his heart to compassion. This word compassion here, it's a a strong, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking compassion. When you think of the world, when you think of those without Christ, where do you take your cues from? Do you take your cues from CNN and Fox News? That's how we think of those people, or do you see them as Jesus sees them? as lost. When's the last time you wept for those who are hurting? I remember a particular harvest praise that we had. We were gathered here praying together, and there was a group of us praying, and there was, there was a, a single mom in our group, and she started to just talk about the struggles that, that she's going through, and, and we're praying for her. And after we were done praying for this person, I looked up, and there were, there were guys in the group, eyes filled with tears as they prayed. Now, I get if, if I were to say I was crying, you say, of course, because guy's a pansy, right? You would get that I would cry, right? But these are, these are like regular dudes, like the, the kind of guys that you throw hammer with at work, right? These are, and they were broken for this woman. Have you ever cried over those who are harassed and helpless? Is, is the heart of Jesus in you in that way? Are you seeing clearly? I mean, Jesus says to these guys, hey, hey, look up. Look at the fields, he says. Verse 37, Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And when he, he says the harvest is plentiful, we think of harvest because, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, it's gonna be, you know, you know harvest is a good thing. Harvest in the, in, in the Bible, when it talks about harvest, it typically has to do with judgment. God's judgment is coming. So think about that. When you think of harvest in that way, that, that God's judgment is coming. Now, Jesus looks out and goes, the harvest is plentiful. There's so many who don't know about the grace of God, who are only going to experience the judgment of God. Can you see why he has compassion? Can you see why he would be pressing in on his disciples? You've got to go. We have to go tell them the good news. God, God's judgment is for sure. His, his, his judgment on sin is eternal. And if we don't get out there right now, the harvest will be lost forever. I pray there's a church that would drive us. Would drive us to to live a more full life, a more passionate life, a, a, a life more eternally focused, a life where we no longer just look to ourselves, to our own comfort, our own needs, but we have the heart of Christ. We're moved by compassion. And Jesus says here, he says, he says, listen, look what's going on out there. Verse 38, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray that workers would go. 
I don't know you, I, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about this. When Jesus says he sees this crowd of people harassed and hurting, wouldn't you think Jesus would say, hey, let's pray for them? But he doesn't say that. He, he says, pray that, that people would go. Now listen, should we pray for the broken and the sinning and the, and the hurting and those who, for sure we should pray for them. But what he's saying here is, that, guys, pray for the church because apparently Jesus' concern was not that the lost wouldn't come to the Father. His concern was that the church wouldn't go to the lost. I mean, Jesus' prayer, he goes, listen, I'm not concerned that people aren't going to respond to the gospel, aren't going to respond to the good news. He goes, my greater concern is that those who know this already aren't going to go. And he says, pray that the, the Lord of the harvest would send out these labors. That, that word send out is a strong word. It, it, it is used in other places in the New Testament where Jesus cast demons out of people. The literal word is flung out. Pray the Lord of the harvest would fling them out into the harvest. Now, I, I picture in my mind this huge slingshot in our parking lot, right? And everybody gets, you get strapped in, clicked right back, we sing the last words, I say, you are love, when you're flung out, right? I mean, that's kind of the picture here. Now, I pray that God would fling us out of here all over Muskoka, all over Perry Sound, all over the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, I would so much rather sit back and be comfortable than hook myself up to a gospel slingshot. Like, forget the persecution I know is coming. Forget the having to be weird as I talk to people about this stuff. I, mean, I would much rather be comfortable. So what do I need? I need God to come alongside me. Listen, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, pursuing our hearts to fling us out. That's why Jesus says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would fling out workers. I mean, let's pray that our church will be hurled out. Let, let's pray that God would break the boredom and monotony the culture pours out on us, but it's stir up our hearts that we would be flung out into the crowds. Do we recognize that, that we've been saved for a mission? We've been saved to be sent. That, that God would, would hook us up into his big slingshot as individuals, as families, as small groups, as a church, and fling us out into the harvest. I mean, do we see clearly the need? Do we see that, that, that 2.5 billion people in our world have no access to the gospel at all? Do we see that, that nearly 7, 000, uh, there are nearly 7,000 unreached people groups? I mean, that should shake us up. We should hear that and then be asking, how are they gonna believe if they never hear about Christ? How are they gonna hear if no one goes? How is someone gonna go if they're not sent? So this morning as the worship team comes up, we really have three choices to make when we hear this call. I mean, our first choice is this, we deny it. We say, I know what, I don't think Jesus is called that. Maybe, maybe you deny Jesus altogether and that's fine. You're, you're saying, I don't need to go because I don't even follow this Jesus. But maybe you do follow Christ, but you're saying, you know what, maybe we don't need to go and you start to deny it. That's one option, another option is to ignore it. 
I think that that's most often a Christian option. Very few Christians deny the call, but what do we do? We know the call is real, but hey, you know what? I'm just gonna do the church thing. I'm just gonna do the really nice religious thing. I'm gonna raise a nice family. I'm gonna have kids. They're gonna have grandkids. They're gonna live nearby. No one's leaving. Everybody stay, and we ignore the call. We can deny it. We could ignore it. Here's what I hope, though, as a church. Listen, listen, we can embrace it. Well, this morning we can say, here I am, Lord, send me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't even know where I'm gonna go. But Jesus, I'm yours. Use me. And think about this. Jesus used a bunch of messed up, inexperienced, underqualified sinners and nobodies when he chose the disciples and then called them apostles. Disciples means learned ones, people who are learning. He then calls them in Matthew 10 for the first time after he sends them out, he calls them apostles, which means sent ones. Our goal is not to stay as disciples forever. Our goal is that, hey, let's come to church, go to small group, let me become this theological fathead full of knowledge. No, we're called apostles, we're called sent out ones. We're supposed to go. So, so will you go? Are you sending? I mean, have you, have you thought about how your life should look in light of eternity? Are you gonna go, are you gonna send, or are you going to just cruise through life, collecting toys, missing out on the greatest mission ever, an eternal mission, a mission that ends with a party in heaven where all the nations gather together, and you can say, I was a part of that. I was a part of that, amen, amen. I mean, listen, it's a hard call. There, there is a, a weightiness to it, but do you catch the joy of the call as well? Listen, all of the disciples of Jesus Christ, all but one were martyred for their faith, except John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. Yeah, hard, difficult lies, but lies filled with joy and with passion on this eternal mission for Christ. And listen, you and I are the Pauls of this generation. You and I are the Peters, the Andrews, the Johns, that, that's who we are. This, we're that for this generation. And Jesus is sending us out. And how did they reach the world? They believed the gospel. They believed that people are lost and their only hope is Jesus. They believed that Jesus wasn't telling a lie. He said, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to give you power. They believed that Jesus was saying to go. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. And they went in his power with his boldness and they gave their lives for it. They loved. They sacrificed. They cared. They were in difficult places with the good news of Jesus. Christ. So this morning, are you ready to go? Are you ready to take that step? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, you would fan into flame in our hearts this, this desire to, to make you known throughout the world. Father, you would burden our hearts with the need that we could see clearly what's happening in our world. We could see clearly the needs in our community, the needs in our family, the needs in the nations. And, and Lord, that you've called us to be the hope, to bring them the hope of who you are. Father, help us overcome our fears to take that first step to go, to send, to be a part of this mission. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.